Good afternoon to you all. I'd like to read Ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 and 2, but before that, uh, reading Acts chapter 19 from verse 8. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate, they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years, so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. And Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. F.F. F. Bruce said that Ephesians was the quintessence of Paulinism. F.F. F. Bruce himself, a, a Scot, professor at Manchester University uh, amongst the Brethren Churches, gave a, a lot of ministry about Paul, was an expert on Paul uh, of a previous generation and his books are still worth reading and most of them are available on Kindle now. Looking at it historically, what took place here, Acts chapter 19 verse 8 states that Paul spent at least two years in Ephesus for Jews and Greeks to hear the word of the Lord. We picture Paul as a traveller. If you look in the back of most quality Bibles, you'll see maps of the missionary journeys that Paul made. Uh, although he was a, a great traveller, he wasn't just a tourist, but he was very observant. There was that time, and you can picture him entering into the city of Athens and looking around. And he saw all these temples, he saw all these idols that the Athenians were worshipping. And he came across one to an unknown God. And he used that as an explanation of the one that was unknown to them, but known to him, uh, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we can picturing him entering into the city of Ephesus, maybe for the first time, we don't know, he, he lived uh, quite a, a way away, but was in the same area of Asia Minor, uh, so it might not have been his first occasion to visit Ephesus, perhaps as a youngster, perhaps as a businessman, but you can imagine him walking through the streets of Ephesus and seeing the same kind of sights that he saw in Athens, what sort of place was it? We know it was a huge city by their standards of that day. And it was full of temples, uh, different places where worship, people worshipped false gods and idols. And the biggest temple of all, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, was the temple to Artemis or Diana. And you remember there's an episode in Acts where the people accused Paul of taking away their business uh, because their business was based upon the worship of this goddess Diana, Diana of the Ephesians. 
So he will be walking through those streets and seeing the markets. And this temple to Artemis was huge. It was bigger even than the Parthenon in Athens. Uh, it was slightly outside the city but would be visible for miles around. That's the kind of place that Ephesus was, full of idolatry. And in the temple of Artemis itself went on things that are not worthy of mention in this place. All such sorts of immorality. Artemis was the queen of heaven. One of the reasons why Christians should never use the term of Mary, the queen of heaven, was because it was stolen from a goddess, a false goddess. She was also called the word, the, sorry, the Lord. That word curios, which we call our Lord Jesus. She had that title, but many people did in those days. It wasn't a unique title, but it's, of course it's unique to us. Jesus Christ is Lord. Our apostle was not overawed by all of this. Soon as he gets in the city, where does he go? He goes to the synagogue and he teaches the word of God to those people. So that gives us some of the historical background to this epistle. And then we can go into the teaching of what it says to the saints in Ephesus. This letter many would say is a, a circular letter and in some of the instances or additions that they've got Ephesus wasn't mentioned uh, but it has an ancient tradition of being sent to the letter of Ephesus to the city of Ephesus and you know in our Bible it's not the only letter to the Ephesian church uh, we find that in the early chapters of Revelation to the seven churches of Asia Minor Ephesus was one to whom a letter was addressed and maybe that will come up in, in future days. To the saints. A saint is something or someone that is holy, that is set apart, consecrated. And we know through uh, reading and various other experience that there are a number of people who we put saint before. Saint Paul himself is one of them. But you know when Paul addresses these people, these Christians, he's addressing them all as saints. They're all saints. Every Christian, every believer in the Lord Jesus is a saint. You have that title if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a saint, you're holy, you're set apart, you're sanctified for the service of God. So Paul writes to the saints and to the faithful in Jesus, the faithful ones, faithful in Christ Jesus, obedient, steadfast. And in that city, they needed to be all surrounding them was this idolatry. They'd been saved, many of them been saved out of this idolatry by the preaching of Paul. For not only did he go to the synagogue, 
He went to the places around about. He preached in the marketplace. Uh, in Athens, he was invited to preach on Mars Hill, a famous place for speakers. Uh, what the equivalent was in Ephesus, I don't know, but you can be sure that Paul preached and he argued for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these people needed to be saints. They needed to be faithful in Christ Jesus because they were surrounded by wickedness. And Paul writes to these people to encourage them. Later in the letter, he teaches them how to wage warfare against these dark things that were going on around them. Not going about ripping up the temples, not that kind of warfare. They were to bear a sword, but it was the word of God, not a blade. They were to wear armour to face these things, but it was armour against spiritual opponents to the word of God, opponents to the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's to the saints in Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. And you know this letter is for us. It's for you. And all the other letters that we find from Paul, from Peter, from James, from Jude, they're for us as well. The whole of the word of God is for us. And what does he want for them? He starts off grace and peace. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you. Well, these people were believers. They'd already received that grace of salvation from the Lord Jesus Christ, but there may be someone here who has not yet experienced that grace of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is a favour done without the expectation of a reward. Some people have defined it as God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. Have you found the grace of God? The gospel is the grace of God towards sinners. The sacrifice of the Lord Jesus on the cross for our sins is that grace towards sinners. And peace. Peace is something that the world fights for. But it's the gift of God that you can have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the cross. He has fought and he has won peace for the believer. You can have this grace of salvation and you can have the peace of God. Peace is this Greek word where we get the name Irene from. It begins with an E in the Greek. And it means rest. It means without strife, deliverance. That is the peace of God that he offers. Because we're at war. The unbeliever is at war with God. Let me read to you what Paul wrote about these Ephesians in chapter 2. He says, As for you, you were dead 
in your transgressions and sins. Those Ephesians that are addressed as saints and uh, faithful witnesses were dead in sins. And then he writes in chapter 4, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. That was the state of those people that Paul writes to. But they had changed. They had experienced the grace of the gospel and the peace that there is from God because of it. And it's from God the Father. It's from God the Father, God our Father. It's his gift to us in salvation. And it comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. We may say that it comes through the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the one who went to the cross and purchased forgiveness of sins. Those awful sins that Paul writes about, they're forgiven and now they are saints and the faithful in Christ Jesus. You can be that too. You can be amongst that crowd of saints if you trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord is triumphant. He's resurrected and glorified. This pretender, Diana, pretender to the name of Lord, is no God. You can go to visit Ephesus now. It's a, it was the seventh wonder of the ancient world. It no longer exists as something other than, it's just a tourist attraction. It's in ruins. But the salvation is eternal. Our Lord Jesus Christ is eternal. You can trust him. This was the message that Paul had for these people. This is what he delivered to them. And now he's writing to them that they may continue to experience the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. For yourself, read the letter and see what's contained within it. It truly is a magnificent uh, letter from the Apostle Paul. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift well, that's what grace means. It's a gift. The gift of our Lord Jesus Christ, the advent of our Lord Jesus, celebrates his coming. We're building up to celebrate that coming of that child in Bethlehem. That child became a man, has purchased for us our salvation, our sins dealt with at the cross our sins laid upon him and we have salvation through what he has done thank the lord that he his 
He is risen from the grave. He has ascended into heaven and he reigns there now. And there is so much more glory yet to come, yet to be revealed. Our Father, we thank you for your word which teaches us these things. May we read it and build our lives upon it. So part us now with your blessing, for we ask it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.